Welcome to Zero to CEO, where seasoned entrepreneurs will teach you how to succeed. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. In today's episode of Zero to CEO, I speak with technical marketing content expert, Carl Hughes. Welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah good to be and here, And we're going to talk about me. how to validate your idea and scale it fast, which is always important. I mean, so many entrepreneurs think they have the next billion dollar idea, right? And then they try to build it and or market it, and then they fail miserably, spend time and money, and they realize that it was more difficult than they thought. What's some of the challenges or mistakes people make usually when they jump into that kind of thing? Like, what, what do you notice? Yeah, the, the building before you actually validated that people need the solution, that seems to be, I, I would say that's number one. I actually just had a call with a guy this week who got introduced to me and it's a textbook case of this. He has this cool idea for a, a thing that he would use personally. But as he's he's built most of the product, he's now now doing customer interviews and nobody wants this thing. Or at least, you know, people say, oh, that's cool. You know, they this is the most dangerous response that new entrepreneurs get is that sounds cool. Once you have it, this and this feature, maybe let me know. Nobody's clamoring for it. There's no existing competitors. There's no space in the market for it. It's just a like cool idea. And unfortunately, those ideas are really captivating for first time entrepreneurs. I don't know what that is, but it is. I always say, you know, I think cool to have, but not needed is a big difference. It's got to be a pain point, right? You need to be solving. I mean, it's, it's everybody, yeah. you know, Steve Jobs, everybody will say this. You have to solve some sort of problem and um, offer a value proposition. We, t we talk about core value propositions, right? So how do you identify what that is? Like, how do you identify the idea to work on before you even get into scaling? Yeah. There's a book called The Mom Test that I read when I, yeah, probably a few months before I started my company, Draft.dev, and it was really formative. The thing that I took away from that, and this is a paraphrase, but essentially don't look for problems that people say they want solutions to. Look for problems where people are spending money and not happy with the solutions they're getting. And th that just, once you find those, You know, I say that a lot in, in previous episodes where uh, even in my book or my course, it talks about how you should look for an, an overlooked market something that people are just not looking at and everyone's trying to disrupt, you know, Facebook or Twitter or whatever. But what about like a 30 year old platform that no one's looked at? And, you know, like Quora, Quora is like the staple. Like what, what if there's a better version of that that you could build? So I always say look for that kind of thing. Um, now let's say that you did find a really good idea and you started building it. How do you make marketing content? Things have changed pandemic wise. So, how do you make marketing content that is effective and that gets people interested in what you're doing? Uh, depends what your people need. You know, I, I think the funny thing is marketing is there's a lot of fancy words and terminology and things that you can go into depth with marketing, but like a lot of disciplines, it honestly comes down to a lot of finding your customers where they hang out and listening to them and trying to to help solve their problems is a, a lot of modern marketing. So content is a great example of that. I mean, a lot of really good companies have built brands off of content marketing that is essentially just, here's a better way to solve your problem. And sometimes it uses our tool, sometimes it doesn't. We're just trying to help you and build goodwill. And over time, you get more subscribers and awareness and that leads to sales. And so it's a, it's kind of a, um, a positive feedback loop that you need to just start 
building and helping people and it sort of starts to pay off over time. Now, who you help and how you help them, that's where marketing like genius maybe arises. And that's where the, you the hard part of marketing um, is. I helping think. people and giving them information. So, I mean, I know one of the, one of the biggest things for like blogs, for example, it's a big no, no is to talk about how your product solves a problem, right? You don't want to do that. You want to be more knowledgeable about the industry or space that you're in to offer people answers right and then they'll say oh that was great and then i'll click on right. their header logo and then see what their product is that's kind of the the gist of it but you mentioned talking to people where they hang out now the pandemic has taken place and people are no longer hanging out in person as much so i'm guessing you're talking about hanging out in online yeah hanging out digitally i mean for our target market we we uh, write content aimed at software developers so they're hanging out on places like Dev2 and Stack Hacker Noon and Free Code Camp. Yeah, Stack Overflow, Reddit. So knowing those those different platforms that they use. I mean, honestly, now I think events yeah. are coming a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's not full bore, but like we're definitely seeing more of them. But even so, I mean, with, with digital content, you know, you're talking about just finding the, the medium that your audience wants. I think this is another thing people ask a lot about, like, should I use written content mm -hmm. or video or audio? Well, what does your audience use? What do they want? Well, how do, well, how do you figure that out? Think about, let's, like, let's, let's, let's get it. Let's get into that. Because like I, yeah. I have a startup and we're doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. written content, video content, static content, imagery. Yeah. You know, we're doing all of them because we, it's hard for us to figure out what they want, right? And we don't, we don't know who's watching, right? Yeah. Anybody could be watching. So how do you, so let's talk, yeah. how do you do that? How do you figure that out? I mean, you're in that phase that every startup goes through. Let's try five or six channels yep. and see what, what sticks. And I, I think that's, that's fair, especially if you're in a nascent market or you're trying to take a subset of a market that hasn't been fully, like, you know, mm -hmm. sort of owned mm -hmm. by a big competitor already. But yeah, it's essentially that. I mean, you can go try five or six channels. You can see what works for you. You can also, I think there's a lot of ways to approach this. One is to think about your personal strengths as a founder and your early team strengths. So in other words, if none of your team knows anything about video and you're going to invest tons and tons of time and money into video, Thanks I mean, good luck. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's like you're, you're pushing a boulder uphill. Right? I got you. But I got you. I, I, you know, I say this to myself and my team too. And now you can go hire somebody who knows it. You can go get consultants right. who will help you, you get there. And so maybe that's the path you take, but, but it is a little bit about knowing yourself and like what you honestly can do. I like if you're in a demographic that is not commonly seen or used on these channels, you have to think about like, are you really the person that needs to be the, the front face right. of your, your company? We, we, we actually just um, faced anyway, that. That's so a that, great and then, point you just mentioned. Yeah. So uh, my, my co-founders and I, 10 years ago, when we first started a business. We were younger, right? We were in our thirties and we were the face of the product, but now we're in our forties. Right. We've gotten right. all these like young college students to kind of be the faces. <laughs> so that's actually a great point to know when to step aside as co-founders and allow fresh, yes. you know, faces to come in and kind of be. The, so you, so you yeah. think that's a good idea to do that is to kind of like. Yeah. And it, it's true of written too. I mean, so for example, we were, we write really technical content that is for marketing purposes. So it's written by software engineers, but right. aimed at software engineers as well. And the marketing team helps distribute it. Now, what a lot of our clients come in with is they have a marketing person who's been writing all this content and they have no idea how to really write for a software engineer. They've never used GitLab. Kubernetes. They don't use yeah. like <laughs> Snowflake on a daily basis. Yeah. Even GitLab. Like, so. I think this is the thing too, is like knowing your limitations as a marketer, like, should you be the one or a founder, mm. should you be the one writing this piece of content or is there a subject matter expert out there? And that's the what we've been doing. We've gotten these really smart writing groups from colleges to take over that stuff and they know exactly what, yeah. And you don't have to teach them, which there is the go. best part. Yep. Right. 
Perfect. Yep. That's a, yeah. Always want to find those little like chances for arbitrage or, or somebody who wants a little bit of side, you know, a side gig, uh, has got a board of their day so job. So you mentioned delegating quite a bit. Yep. We've both been mentioning this now. Delegation comes with its own set of challenges. How do you effectively lead a team of content strategy and, and, and creators? Yep. I, big question. I'm hitting it hard, man. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, so delegation, like come to me, it comes down to knowing all the steps in the process and then breaking them down for the individual people who will do those steps. And as a founder, often what we do is we start off doing all the steps ourselves. What a lot of founders never do is figure out how to break those steps into sub components. So for example, when I start draft.dev, we do, we do a sales call. We do marketing outreach. We actually then onboard a client. We then write their content. We then edit their content. We send it back to them. There's a ton of steps here. And the problem is, as a founder, I can just do them all. You can't scale that. You can't scale that. So what I did instead, exactly, you can't scale that. So what I did instead was I tracked my time pretty religiously from the beginning and said, what am I spending? Which step am I spending time on? And then when a certain step got to a certain threshold, I said, I need to hire a part-time or full-time person here. And so doing something like that, having a discipline like that works the same in any level of delegation, whether you're delegating to a, I just hired a new director of sales marketing did the exact same process. So it's a different level, but it's the same idea. And same works for a content team. You break down the steps, you figure out what roles are needed and you fill those in as you you know. You're you're mentioning again, uh, sounds like almost like an onboarding process or uh, providing a package of sorts to hand off to someone say, look, here's our method. Here's our process. Here's how we do it step-by-step. Here's the outline. You follow this and you won't go wrong. And that's, you're, you're basically recommending people do do that they follow like a, a set of a process now yeah as much as possible i mean your team's gonna right. make it better hopefully over time right so like you want to hand better it off to people you. who go a level further how do you even come up better? with that yeah, process yeah. in the first place because i mean you and i we're experts we know how to do that but what about people listening or watching what would you say the top three things that they should do to effectively create this process in the first place to hand off yeah, I mean, I do a couple things. Uh, I used to do more like outlining my process. So I just kind of think through it, pull my bullet points, and then I'd follow those bullet points and kind of fill in the gaps. Um, what I've been doing lately, which actually saves me a lot of oh, time, yeah. is using Loom videos instead. Nice. Uh, it's just a screen recording software. But I'll essentially, you know, get, yeah. like go through this process and then hand it off to the person. And the first to assignment the they'll videos. have, a new hire will have is write down, watch the video and write down the actual process and do it one time and then come back to me with all the questions and the missing steps that I I forgot. And that, that actually works pretty quickly to get people up to speed, especially if they're, it's it's like a small, it's like a homework. It's like watching like a study, like a Udemy course or something. It's like a, you know, it's like a homework assignment. Like, Hey, watch my tutorial video and then like figure it out from there and then do (laughs) right. Right. I do do something similar. That's actually where my, how my YouTube channel became born, uh, like 20 years ago was me telling people how to do things and then just saying, okay, I'm going to put them on tutorials and send you the link. So that's fantastic. Now, um, let's say, you know, you're, you're, you're targeting draft.dev targeted software engineers, technical audiences, right? Which is mostly programmers or people who do infrastructure and backend, front end development, et cetera. What if you don't do that? What if you have, uh, you know, your, your startup is a product or what if your startup is a consumer app or something? How do you then create marketing content aimed at the people that you're targeting? What's the best, what are the best uh, methods to do that? 
Yeah, I mean, it really isn't that different. It's just the the needs of your users are different. I mean, for so software mm-hmm. engineers, I can speak to my own personal experience with this audience. Like, they want help um, learning how to be more efficient as developers, solve problems that they commonly have, or use tools that are maybe already out there that they're you know being told to use at work. So maybe they're learning a new programming language or a new hosting system or whatever it is. So that's the kind of thing they want. So you, any product works the same way. What is your target audience looking for on a regular? basis and ideally looking for around the same Mm -hmm. time they're looking for your product. So, you know, you have a, let's just go to something consumer that everybody would know. If you sell shoes, what kind of shoes are you like selling and who are you targeting? Let's say you're you're targeting people who are like running on the beach, right? right? So you have beach running shoes. So what do people Uh, who run on the beach do? They, they run on the beach. Sure. But they also run on pavement. They also like wake up early. They also maybe do yoga. Like you find the 10 or 20 things that they tend to do around the same time they're running on the beach. And then you figure out how to write content. Like how to pick out the right sunblock and then you're going to need sunblock, you know, they like being outdoors, maybe like what kind of hat wear to to wear. So like, yeah, yeah, that's so you can really go in a lot yep. of different angles in that. So, so basically, you're saying identify the target, yes. figure out what those people are doing while they're out doing that activity or or item, and then hit them hard there. Yep. Yeah, target that activity, but also target all the things tangential to it. Because ultimately, yeah, you can't write a thousand pieces about we have the best running shoes on the beach. Like that's not going to work. Nobody cares. But you've got to be able to like catch those people at multiple different cycles and times because nobody buys a purchase off the first piece of content they read or very. Now, people like you and I, we're entrepreneurs. We have idle hands and we tend to put our hands in a lot of different areas because we can't just do one thing. How? You and I, we know how to manage, we we know how to manage these things. What are your three tips to tell people how to manage multiple projects at the same time? Yeah. I mean, delegation, we've already talked about. That's the biggest one. Um, I actually just this year launched a job board. And in my, I think in the past, what I would have done is like started it myself, like gone through all the steps, done everything myself, made the first sales myself. This time I actually hired and delegated the whole setup for sales, the finding our first 500 subscribers, all done by an employee. So as you get to different levels of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and say you have the cash flow to do this, you can start to hire basically a person to do the thing, to carry out your vision. Now that's not easy to do. And like, there's a lot of of ways that could still go wrong or could have gone wrong. But, um, but at the same time, like just sitting with that person and being like the, the critical, the, the, critical eye or knowing your audience really well and being able to help that person see that audience as well, that can all help. So it's, it's about, to me, it's like the delegation is big, but knowing the strengths you have as an entrepreneur, whether it's the, the vision you have, the ability to communicate, the, uh, the cash flow you have, whatever those strengths are, and then putting them to work to get the most leverage for your hours. And so uh, leverage for hours, like if you're, there's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are just really good tacticians. Mm. And unfortunately, they stick in the tactician world, meaning right. they're just always doing the hands-on work forever. Um, but as soon as you start to learn the really high leverage tasks, like communicating and yep. like, creating tutorials that help other people do the, the thing 5,000 times, that's, how you that's scale. when you really start to move. That's how you scale. To move and uh, and to, kick, yeah. uh, to end things here, let us know uh, a little bit about draft.dev, what people can f- expect when they come to your website and what you provide as a service. Sure. Yeah. We, we do technical marketing content for companies that want to sell things to software developers. Mostly it's web hosting companies, developer tools companies, mm-hmm. a super specific niche. But at the same time, there's not a lot of content providers that specialize in this. All of our 350 plus writers are software engineers, data engineers, people day to day. They're doing this technical work. So the really unique thing is you get hands on practitioners experience uh, in these pieces rather than just a 
fluffy SEO copywriter. Uh, no hate intended to those writers out there because I know there's a place for that kind of content too. But it's just different Different companies need different things in their content. And we just found that a lot of companies were underserved in this niche. So that's all we do. Um, of course, if you need other help with content marketing or other marketing, I'm always happy to to lend like, you know, advice or things I've learned or other services that are, are better. Thanks, Carl. Appreciate people. it. This is awesome. Hopefully uh, people learned a ton from this episode and know we put a lot in there. So <laughs> I'm sure they have. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you learned something today, please support this podcast by subscribing to it, sharing it with your friends, and leaving a five-star review. You can learn more about me at jasonsherman.org, where you'll find information about my book, also called Strap on Your Boots, available on Amazon, as well as my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy or Skillshare. I'll see you in next week's episode.